Well, this morning, have you experienced God's love and life-giving spirit? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Now, although 40 days of prayer ended with the Christian Missionary Alliance a couple days ago, we actually missed one of the weeks. We missed the week on the Holy Spirit because of Home Mission Sunday. And I thought, there's no way we can skip the Holy Spirit. After all, the Holy Spirit is already kind of the most misunderstood and underrated members of the Trinity. We sing songs about God the Father all the time. We sing songs about Jesus the Son. And I had to really dig deep to find songs about the Holy Spirit for us to sing. In fact, in terms of hymns, the closest thing I could find was the song that we sang this morning, Holy, 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 in which the Holy Spirit is one-third of the feature. See, it, it seems like people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They don't understand the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've had bad experiences with the Holy Spirit or people that claim to do things in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think in 30 minutes I'm going to be able to answer every question and fully explain everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Of course, it would take a lifetime times infinity to understand God himself. But for those of you maybe that are, are uncertain about the Holy Spirit or you just need a refresher course, I hope that today will breathe new life into you, into your life, your, your mind, your body, and your soul, even as the Spirit, the word ruach that you heard in the, the video. Can you just say that with me? Ruach. Ruach. Yeah, it just gets stuck in your throat there. It's kind of a fun word to say. The word ruach, the word for spirit, is also the word for wind. And the Holy Spirit moves like a wind. Sometimes I struggle with what is, what is my role and what is God's role. In fact, I remember years ago, a very good friend of mine who had been, been pursuing Jesus and seeking after God finally made a, a, a decision, and he said, I'm choosing this day to follow Jesus. Like, I'm all in. I'm done playing games. My search is over. I'm just going to take the plunge. It was one of the most exciting days of my entire life when I realized that he had finally crossed that line of faith, if you will. And some of you know that moment when you cross the line of faith. Some of you maybe, you don't remember a specific day, but you say, well, like the summer of 2012 or somewhere in there. And maybe some of you are still kicking the tires on this whole God thing. And if that's you, you're in the right place. We've experienced God in such profound ways that we want the whole world to know the joy and the love and the peace that comes from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But my friend, he, he said, I have one question for you. Now that, now that I'm, like, I'm in... He said, where, where do I begin, or where does God begin, and, and where, where do I end? Like, what is, what is God's role, and what is my role? How do we do this? I said, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> because I know some people, they try to, to do everything on their own, and it's all about works and effort and trying harder and tr to be perfect, and they struggle and they fall, and then they feel like terrible Christians because they're not perfect. And then there are other people that are very nonchalant about their faith and just kind of like, whatever, I'm just going to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die and that's all that matters. But somewhere in between, there's this important place for all of us to be where 
we do life with God. In fact, you've heard me say that to me, prayer is more than just talking to God or talking with God. It's actually doing life with God. It's a bit of a dance. What I love about the Holy Spirit and this picture of wind is I often think about sailing. Some of you know Heather and I had a sailing class in college. She did much better than I did on the class. She's a little more experienced too, but she's a, she was a great sailor. But the thing about sailing is you have a really important role to play if you want that boat to move. You have to get that boat in just the right spot. You have to get your sails up. You have to know which direction the wind is going. But if there's no wind, you're not going anywhere. Likewise, if there's a big storm going on, but you don't raise the sails, maybe you're even anchored, that boat's not going anywhere despite the wind. See, it's a both and. It's, it, it involves this relationship with the wind and the sailor. And when we, as followers of Jesus, position our lives in such a way, in alignment with God, so we say, we, we want you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us so that we can become more like Jesus. And it's a process. It doesn't happen instantly. It's a lifelong process. Then we're in a position where the Holy Spirit will move and blow, and our lives will become more and more like Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a somewhat mysterious thing. It's a process, as I said. But it's so important for us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to to partner and do life with God. It's kind of like a dance. The Spirit has a role, and we have a role. Now, maybe the most important thing that you need to know today is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, not even a ghost. I know people talk about the Holy Ghost in some Bible translations and whatnot referred to as a Holy Ghost. And I think some of them are older translations, maybe before Casper came out and some of these other images, you know, it's like, oh, the Holy Ghost, it's scary. I, I like to think of it as the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is a person. Most of us have some idea of God the Father, or at least we have in our mind, we picture the Father, and we've all seen images and depictions of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, admittedly, is a little bit more difficult for us to understand. The, New, the Old Testament is the Jewish Bible that describes creation through the prophets. And the New Testament begins with the four Gospels, or good news, about the life of Jesus. As the video said, the Holy Spirit is found throughout the Bible. And the the remarkable thing about the Spirit is in the Old Testament, the Spirit would appear on certain people in places and times. But in the second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit was unleashed upon multiple believers in multiple places. No longer was God confined to the temple or the person of Jesus. God moved from a building to the hearts of of men and women and children. Where is God right now? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's in the believer. He makes his home in the believer. If you are a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit too. It's so amazing to think about that. If you are a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit too. When I was a kid, It had been some years, I guess, since 
marketing had begun in our country. And in particular, there were some people, some really smart people that, that realized that, that they could use marketing to sell breakfast cereal. They could use TV commercials to say, this is the cereal that's going to make you feel great and healthy and strong. And then over time, they, they began to, to target children like myself with a, a, a very important ingredient in their cereal, sugar. And then they went a step farther and they, they put these little toys in the bottom of the cereal box. Now, I know every one of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, my favorite cereal was Apple Jacks. I rarely ate Apple Jacks because my mom would never buy sugar cereals for us kids. So we had to go to Grandma's house to get them. <laughs> but one of my favorite things about going to Grandma's house, it didn't even matter if, if we were there for dinner. I wanted some cereal. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to find those Apple Jacks. And what I really wanted to find was the prize at the bottom of the box. Now, you all know sometimes that experience was, was a disappointment. Oh, I, I didn't get the color that I wanted. I didn't get the, I was hoping, you know, in the, the back panel, it would show, like, you can choose one of five prizes, and you get the wrong one. That was such a bummer, because it was such an effort for me just to get that one box of cereal. There was no way I was going to get mom to, or grandma to get four or five boxes to get the right prize. But then there were those moments where you, you know, that, that magic, like the exact one that you wanted. At that point, I could care less about the cereal. I was just happy for the prize. A lot of people fall in love with Jesus, and rightfully so. Jesus has done so much for us. Living, dying, teaching, healing, rising from the dead. He set an example for us of what it means to be human. And as we say so often around here, it's all about Jesus. First Alliance is all about Jesus and bringing him honor and glory. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you get more than just Jesus. You get the Holy Spirit. And for some people, the Holy Spirit is, I don't want to say better than Jesus, but as good as, as Jesus. Just like that prize might be as good as those sweet morsels of sugar that just coat your teeth. That as kids you love and as adults you just say, it's, that's too sweet. If you're a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit too. I know it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, whenever we talk about God and use analogies, words can never do justice. The power, the wonder, the mystery of Almighty God. But we've been looking at Acts 1-8 the past two weeks where Jesus tells his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit shows up and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus prophesied, he, he predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit to unleash power, to change and transform the followers of Jesus. And about 50 days later, that exact same thing happened. In Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violence, what? Wind, that's not an accident, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
And just a note about this, the rest of the, the text makes it clear that they were speaking known languages. Some of you maybe have heard of or you speak a heavenly language. These were known languages. In fact, the people thought that these guys must have been drunk, and Peter's like, how can they be drunk? It's only you know, 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning, and not that that really matters. Um, but as it turns out, they were known languages, perhaps French and German and Aramaic and Arabic and Spanish. I mean, we don't actually know all the languages, although Scripture describes some of the places where the people came from. But all of a sudden, people were speaking languages they didn't even know. They never learned or studied. I was really hoping for those abilities in high school. But what was even more surprising to the first Christians, who were mostly Jewish, was that the Holy Spirit, God's presence and power, was not contained only to the Jews, but also to Gentile believers. Let me say it again. If you're a follower of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit too. I want to look at a passage in the letter written to the church in Rome. Book of Romans. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Romans 8 for a bit. Paul's talking about the tension between good and evil, between God's laws and our sinful nature that wants to break those laws. He begins chapter 8 with a staggering statement. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To which I say, hallelujah. Some of you were raised in churches where there was shame and guilt and condemnation. You're never good enough. You're awful. You're a sinner. Which is true except that Jesus came and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. We've been set free from the law of sin and death, not because we're good, but because he's great. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this is why when we talk about freedom, when we talk about abundant life, this isn't talking, we're not saying life is easy, you're going to get rich quick, you're going to be healthy all the time if you just have enough faith. No, but, but we're saying there's no condemnation, there's forgiveness of all of our sins because of the blood of Jesus. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid it all. And he continues, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But Jesus is perfect, and he died for us on the cross. The Jewish religion was all about following the laws of Moses. And sure, doing, so, doing the, the good things, following the law, that, that was a good, good deal. But it was impossible to do completely. The Jews had to slaughter animals and make sacrifices to atone for their sins, to make amends. I'm so glad our gatherings together don't require a butcher, aren't you? Only Jesus lived a sinful life, which is also why he was uniquely qualified to die in our place, to satisfy the wrath of God that we deserve. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. Paul continues that what the law was powerless for, what religion was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Paul's talking about this this tension between living according to the flesh, to the world, to our own desires, and living according to the Spirit. Each day, each moment, we make choices to do what the world says or to do what the Holy Spirit says. We've been given freedom by God to make those choices, to do good or evil, to follow Him or follow the lust, the flesh, the eyes and the pride of life. Have you ever felt that tension? I feel it every day. Paul understood it. In the previous chapter, he talked about the struggle, the battle, the war raging within him. And it's within us. But the good news is, one day Jesus will be the ultimate victor in that battle. One day he will conquer the enemy for eternity. One day there will be no more sickness or disease, no more sin and strife, no more hatred and violence, no more depression and pain. What causes you to choose the right thing? I mean, there are moments for all of us, we sometimes choose the wrong thing, sometimes we choose the right thing. What drives that? What motivates that? Why do you mess up sometimes and why do you do better at other times? It's not by trying harder, but by letting go and letting God, by inviting the Holy Spirit to come in, to move you, fill you, change you. It's about confessing your sins and inviting the Holy Spirit to take control. The late Bill Bright used to talk about this concept of spiritual breathing. And the idea of spiritual breathing is that we exhale, we admit our sins and our failures, we confess our sins, we we repent, we turn away from our sins. We just admit we screwed up. And I have to do that a lot. It's not something we just do once. In fact, it's a continual thing of exhaling and getting rid of the junk. God, I'm sorry. Making amends with people maybe that we've wronged. And then inhaling, welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives. See, religion and rules and regulations condemn us every time we make a mistake but we have freedom and forgiveness when we live according to the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, who wrote Romans, wrote this to a church in modern-day Turkey in the city of Ephesus. He said, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's not a one-time event. That's not something one and done. It's a constant thing. The Greek word implies a, a continual activity, just like breathing. Imagine if I, if I told you, I just said, hey, I'll breathe. Okay, stop. That's, that's enough. Stop. If someone told you to breathe, there, there's kind of a, an obvious thing. Like, don't stop. Just keep breathing. Like, for the rest of your life, you will breathe. <laughs> or there won't be a rest of your life. We are all engaged in the act of breathing. It's a continual process. It never ends until we end. 
It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. That's this verse, this passage in Ephesians 5. He's saying, be filled, breathe, be filled, continually filled, day and night, night and day. Don't stop. I love that one of the results of being filled with the Spirit is an overflow of music, of thanksgiving, of worship. And how he, he relates this. Don't, don't be drunk on, on wine, on alcohol. A person, we say that they're under the influence of alcohol if they drink too much alcohol. What would it be like for you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Where you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not, not in, in a mechanical way, not in a robotic way, but in the same way that, that someone is drunk is influenced by alcohol, that the Holy Spirit would fill us and influence us. Have you ever met someone that's just obsessed with, the, with social media? I mean, they spend hours on their screens posting and commenting. They live for it. It's like they're just filled with social media. Others are consumed by sports. They, they wake up early and they, they, they work out and they, they follow sports teams. Maybe they're involved in some team sports. They're trying for a scholarship. Like They just live and breathe. Everything is all about sports. And tragically, many people are literally controlled by alcohol or other addictions. It rules their lives. It could be alcohol, drugs, porn, food, work. Whatever rules their lives. And by the way, if that's you, I just want to extend an invitation again to celebrate recovery. It's a Christ-centered recovery program, but it's so much more than that. It's for anybody with hurts, habits, or hang-ups, which is all of us. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're struggling with divorce or depression. Or maybe there is something that's really controlling your life. It's for all of us. And it's a safe place every Wednesday to be with other people, fellow pilgrims in the journey, just serving and helping one another, not rolling around in our woes, but finding hope and healing and strength in Jesus Christ. We could all benefit from it, and I have. What if your life was truly led by God? Imagine if you just wanted to do the right thing all the time. Imagine if, if temptation just seemed so far away and, and you had a hunger and a thirst for God and for his word. You wanted to pray. You wanted to serve other people. You wanted to love. It just felt natural. That's kind of what happens when we open our lives to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a quick fix. It's not an instant prayer and all of a sudden we have no problems in life. Again, it's a process. It's a daily, it's a continual process of acknowledging our sins and then inviting the Holy Spirit in to make us more like Jesus day by day. This process called sanctification where we're becoming more like Christ. Paul continues, verse 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Where is your mind? Who are you living for? What's your focus? It all begins with the mind. It all begins with our thoughts. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. It's your choice. Where do you want to end up? Do you want death? 
or life and peace. It's pretty clear. Now you might say, well, how do I know? How do I know if someone's governed by the flesh? What does that look like? Well, Galatians, another book written by Paul, makes it pretty clear. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Any questions? So what's the result of being filled with the Spirit? Paul mentioned peace, but he repeats it again to the church in Galatia, also in in Turkey, by the way, modern-day Turkey. He says, this is what life in the Spirit looks like. It's filled with love. That's our big subject today, right? Valentine's Day, love. But this is, this is rugged, a rugged commitment to another person. Again, this isn't like third grade Valentine love. This is, I love you, period. Joy, peace. Could our world use a little bit more peace? Forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says against these things there's no law, but don't miss this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to invite the music team to come up. We're going to close with a song in a moment, but but before we do, I just want to ask you this morning, where is your mind? What is consuming your life? What are you living for? Who are you living for? We've already said that that God offers forgiveness for the stuff in the past. So as much as I want to talk about the past, I really want to talk about today. Where are you at right now? Is it your desire to live for yourself? Or for God. Last week doesn't really count. Ten years ago doesn't really count. I mean, for at this moment, right now. Is it your desire to live for yourself in the world, the flesh, which leads to death? Or do you truly want to follow Christ? Do you want to live a life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? It's really, it, it's simple, is positioning yourself to receive what the Holy Spirit has. Again, spiritual breathing, exhale. God, I screwed up. I'm really sorry. But then taking that next step of repent, of turning, and saying, Holy Spirit, would you come fill me? I'm, I'm not a very kind person. I could use your Holy Spirit to make me more kind. I'm not a patient person at all. But I know Jesus is, and I need you, Holy Spirit, in my life to become more patient. I'm not a very loving person or self-controlled. I lack joy in my life. These are things that come not by trying harder, 
but by just inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. So we're going to just close today. Well, we're not quite done. But I want to give you a chance, an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some churches that say the only way you know you're filled with the Spirit is if you're speaking some language nobody knows or if you're, you're dancing on the floor or f- freaking out or whatever. Um, scripture doesn't really talk about that. Um, there is a spiritual gift of tongues and there's interpretation of tongues and there's other gifts that the Holy Spirit will give. And we believe in all the gifts and they're all to be used for the benefit of the church and to draw people to Jesus but I just want to give you some space today to just invite the Holy Spirit into your life. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. 